0: Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.
1: Guys, why don't we eat?
2: Dear Dark God, of course, I'll have your spam. I love it I oh, in Spam, Spam, Spam
0: Cornblast Cornblast Cornblast, Cornblast
2: Any man fancy a point. Suit you, sir Spam, 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 Spam Baked beans, Spam, Spam, Spam and Spam I said
0: I don't want any damn vegetables Lentils are really good, you know
3: Mmm, forbidden donut
0: Ooh. Twelve out.
1: Ooh, we played right to the end. <laughs> they cut straight out, didn't they?
0: And where'd they go? <sighs> Booker T and the MGs. Yes. They're uh, on union time. <laughs> point at the watch. That's goes, the sound of them knocking huh? out huh? and got then two they, minutes here. And then they just left. Um <laughs> Uh we we do a little bit of ballet here at Studio Two now. Yeah. Uh, okay. just to let you know where it, it it sort of feels like the old days at Fitzroy where uh, there was one studio for broadcasting.
1: Yeah, and we all shared it. We were, and the mad changeover at midday, yeah. uh, and we're sort of reliving those vibes.
0: And when it first started, it used to reek of cigarette smoke.
1: Oh,
0: yes. Yeah, back in the day. Here at uh, the corner of uh, beautiful downtown Nicholson and Blythe Street in, mm. uh, in East Brunswick, uh, I got Matt here. G'day, Cam. G'day, hey. world. Woo! it's uh it is com. we yes. are all systems go for uh Danny Valente uh if she makes it here in time <laughs> uh failing that we have a very noisy market report with John yes uh, there's new machinery with um where oh and s has turned up to 90 decibels <laughs> seriously so um apologies and yeah. uh for that one and then we've got a, a, an interesting chat mm. in that it evolved from what was ostensibly going to be really a food conversation. I thought, mm. you know, this is the way this is going to go. I'll get in touch with Clyde Blasey from... Digger's Club, being yes. the, you know, the founder and the, the helmsman. And, and what is Digger's Club, just in 10 seconds if you've not heard of them? Digger's Club is a seed-saving network and um, also has national trust properties, three in total, mm-hmm. uh, around the place and uh, profess uh, seed diversity and uh, self-sufficiency in your garden. Yes. Thank you. Mm. He declined no. to talk about tomatoes. Really? I know. What do you mean? You went, well, you know, that sort of petties <laughs> thing, you know. And also, it's been a bit of a disastrous year for the home tomato because of the lingering effects of not much sunshine. With it's la-
1: been quite a mild uh, summer, hasn't it? So, Lightning too. too
0: mm. Yeah, we're going to see it. with. Uh, we'll get in touch with Dunkey soon. But he was saying, you know, the vintage has been delayed. Yes. So, um, but he said to me, Cam... There's something I want to talk about, mm. and it's a matter of gum trees. Oh. And uh, the title of this uh, this talk mm. is uh, Eucalyptus, Friend and Foe, or Eucalyptus, Friend or Foe. Mm-hmm. hmm and uh, he's just, I think he's coming back from this Odyssey to. There he is now, coming through the door. <laughs> uh, he's Big Daddy Vlad. Uh, a, a Odyssey to visit with Bruce Pascoe. I think they were mm. giving the chat, and that's. Um, boy, you need. Uh, that takes a while to get up to where Bruce is, because mm-hmm. he's sort of the other side of Lake's entrance. So we might have a chat about that, that, you know, here is this tree that defines us, and yet. I would put to you, Matt Steadman, the mm. eucalyptus could be one of our most deadly exports that we have given to the world. Right, and um, we'll and we'll of, explain why. Yeah, hopefully. we're going to do? It. It's called <laughs> it's called foreshadowing. Yes, I think is that the term that'll do. Yes. Yeah. So therefore, it's valid. Mm-hmm. Nice work. Uh, I wanted to do a little bit of. What's, what's that in your mouth? what's that in your mouth <laughs> Matt at, at, at this uh, exact moment is that in your
1: mouth at this exact moment it's a delightful uh, pour of coffee that we yes. made with the uh, the ever faithful triple R coffee machine yes but and looking, grinder and grinder and grinder they're,
0: they're, they're a great couple together, and I've got a Homer Simpson mug, um, but
1: uh, you're probably referring to uh, what was in your mouth earlier this week,
0: Cameron it wasn indeed. in fact, it just happened last night, Ooh. to be honest with you. Um, and it stood out, and seeing the time is of the essence, there's yes. Miss Valant there, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Um, a... a- I titled this Support in a Storm," which uh, you instantly the cliche meters came up and you were going to launch an attack on me, but, but I think you decided this, not to. This is
1: a relatable story for any inner you know, Melbourneian, where you yeah. know you you, mm. you it's you've gone to an event or you've you've hit the town.
0: You had a couple sherbys. you've
1: had a couple of drinks, and you just and we're talking
0: f- prosecco festival, and with, you, with, yes, which yep, was, which was good fun, which was great fun.
1: Uh and you just want to find a bite to eat. That's it. You, you nailed it. Which can be a challenge because everywhere Saturday
0: night is busy, which is good. Smith Street. So yeah, I remember we uh we sort of we hit the hit the traps mm. being a very, 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 very dear friend of mine. And uh we thought, well, maybe we got a bar Liberty and it's like nah. nah. And then there's <laughs> this place called Flint, which is kinda hot right now, yeah. you know, and uh, that was... And they were actually really lovely and, and very, very honest. They said, look, we've been flogged. Uh, we probably could fit you in, but it's going to take a while to feed you and... No one wants that. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're, you know, we we kind of have reached the end of, you know, our yeah. tethers. So it's like, well, all right. And so we're wandering around Smith <laughs> Street. And, and by the way, I've just posted this if you want to play along. It's on edited uh, it on the Instagrams mm-hmm. if you want to see this thing. And uh, uh, my my friend Fiona said, oh, look, I think there's this place around the corner here. Maybe we should mm-hmm. just have a little look. And mm-hmm. it's a tiny little place, and it's called um, – I hope I'm getting this right. I would call this either MonoXO or Monoxo. Yes, I would go MonoXO. Yeah, okay. And. And um, who should be there? It's a little tiny place, as I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who should be there but Joe Jones, a, a ex of Romeo Lane, who mm-hmm. I know. And he went, oh, Gam, how you doing? And before I knew it, he was pouring us a little martini. Mm-hmm. And you took a photo of a, a scallop sandwich, oh. which
1: just R- looks divine.
0: The, the food... Is of itself um, Asian-inspired. Everything is punchy and flavour turned up to 11. Mm -hmm. Um, Looks great. Uh, Just dances around the mouth. Mm -hmm. God! Um, Yeah, but the Thousand Island Scallop, just these little munches. And um, what else did we have that was just incredible? Uh, Yeah, Sichuan pepper cucumber. Uh, pickled burdock and shiso salad, and the other one that um, I, it just has to get a mention, mm. which I didn't take a photo of, but um, a noisette spanner crab, so fried potato dauphin, so it's sort of like a potato cake. Yeah. Right? <laughs> ready for this? Just topped with spanner crab and tobiko, the little tiny crunchy yeah. eggs. Um, it's a really, really great place. So, mm-hmm. and and not stupidly expensive. So, I wanted to put a just a big shout out to them, and uh, and say you guys rock. So that's Sam and Andy. And I'm, I was even saying, even the playlist rocked. Even the playlist was good. The playlist What's the name of this rocked? place again? It's played Monoxol. Mono XO, even, mono, whatever mono, it might be. Mono XO. Stop Smith Street and it's in C- the Rear, 191A, Smith Street, Fitzroy. Fitzroy Have Shire. a look at my Instagram. Uh, eat Cam Smith. Or well, Cam Smith, eat I keep forgetting which one. <laughs> <laughs> he goes Try it something. You'll see me. I've got a picture of me with the headphones on. And uh, we should keep moving because time is relentless yes. in radio. Uh, Danny's here. Clive's here. All the gang are here. Tim Thorpe's still here? Yes, we're going to be back with Daddy Volant.
4: This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how.
0: Danny Volante, a very, very good afternoon to you.
4: And to you as well, Cam and Matt. It's so good to be back in the studio with you guys.
0: It's so good to see you here. What have you been doing?
4: (laughs) Well, just the usual eating, writing, eating, talking. I suppose there must be a bit of thinking involved.
0: Cogitating.
4: Yeah, yeah. Must be something going on there to make my fingers do the typing.
0: Oh, there's a lot going on up there. I tell you what. This grey matter is significant. (laughs) Significant grey matter indeed. Uh, Now, uh, first of all, did you say you went to farmers markets?
4: Yeah, I went to Elwood Farmers Market yesterday and a couple of the stallholders told me it was their favourite market and I think it is a lovely market as well. Um, really good um, mix of fresh produce and s- yummy stuff to eat. Um, mm. A lot of dogs to um, observe Ugh. and sniff, not personally, but there is a lot of sniffing going on. Uh, so, yeah, I mean it's been a pretty bad year for tomatoes but there were some absolutely beautiful tomatoes. Mm. And you know what was probably the most heartwarming thing, Cam? no. So Chloe from Somerset Farm was there with produce that she'd grown on her not so long ago completely flooded farm on the Goulburn. So when we had those floods a few months ago, she was completely washed away, like kayaking around, rescuing goats by kayak on her farm. And now she's back at the farmer's market with her own produce. It was so heartwarming.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. That is so good. And so you're back and that is great because – uh, there has been so much. Um, well, the eyes of the media have so moved off the, the so many victims. Of uh, of the floods around this country, well, yeah. especially to the north of us and north of the Murray as well.
4: Yeah, that's that's really true. So, yeah. I mean, given all that, it's um, you know obviously people are working so hard um, on their lands to you know continue to grow or to replant and she, yeah, she reclaim. His, yeah, tomatillos um, looking so beautiful, mm. shishito peppers, some really gorgeous beans, some salad greens, horseradish. She got just- a
0: crop of beans in. Gee, that's good.
4: Yeah. yeah, I mean, everything's looking really great. So I'm sure that'll just continue to
0: thrive. Well, um I had an announcement that uh, Miranda Sharp got in touch with me and um, she wanted me to tell you people out there that the Carlton Farmers Market will recommence next Saturday, the 4th of March, which is... Uh, also, really, really, really good news.
4: Yeah, it's awesome. I love farmers' markets because you really get to feel the seasons in a different way, and um, yeah, and, it's so connected.
0: And you make great relations with uh, with people.
4: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's
0: not some seventeen year old doing engineering who's emptying the um, the lettuces that you might find in. Uh, larger institutionalised places, it has no idea about food.
4: Yeah, I mean, not not to like slight the seventeen year olds that are working for uh, working oh, hard, working. but yeah, no, yeah but, uh, that, um, that, that, I know what you're was... saying. I know what you're saying. It's like we love to find that connection with produce, and we're so lucky in Melbourne that we, you know, are surrounded by a, a food bowl. It's a threatened food bowl, but it's there. So I think the more we can celebrate it, the better.
0: Yeah, and keep celebrating it, and that's it. and We'll. Man, the person, the barricades, those that, no we won't, we're a complacent bunch of people, Australians, but maybe we might arc up if they do try to get into our green corridors and more of our beautiful growing areas that are around us.
4: Definitely worth protecting.
0: Indeed. You had industry news, there were some things you wanted to bring up.
4: Uh, Well, there was some news um, that came through during the week about international students and the amount of work work they were allowed to do while they were here completing their studies. Mm. So pre-pandemic, the rule was that international students could work 40 hours a fortnight. Um, That that, um, limit was eased during COVID when there was the reality of extreme staffing shortages. Mm -hmm. And it's been announced by the government that from July – The limit will be reimposed, but it's been increased to 48 hours a fortnight. And I just think it's, I mean, this is a food show, but I think it's worth mentioning that. We're about eucalyptus trees
0: in a little while, so we're diverse. Yeah, I know. We've got a good brief today.
4: Our, um, you know, hospitality industry really does depend on international students. We found Um,
0: that out, didn't we?
4: Yeah, we did. (laughs) And it's really worth thinking about yeah, just the place that they have in the employment landscape, and whether those kinds of restrictions are good or not,
0: and maybe that we don't flog them too much—is that sort of something? Because you I mean, you brought this up, and your and also congratulations must be given to your five hundredth episode of Dirty Laundry, your incredibly successful podcast.
4: Thanks, Cam. Dirty Linen's been going for, yeah, 500 episodes um, plus a few. Um, oh,
0: Sorry. Yeah, Linen, how would I get that? Typo. No, that always happens. Sorry. Yes. But it's
4: all good. Dirty Linen, have Dirty a listen. Linen. We have love listen. your ears. Yeah, come on.
0: Um, get them on.
4: Yeah. I, look, I think it's, it's, you know, it is a little, I think it's paternalistic and a bit patronising to tell students who are adults how much they should be, how much they're allowed to work.
0: But sometimes they don't really have much say in what they do from some employers.
4: Well, I mean, international students are um, entitled to the same worker protections as anybody else who's mm-hmm. um, working in Australia. Whether or not they um, get Receive all their entitlements those. is another question.
0: Yeah, and um, sometimes there's a bit of a like it or a lump it and we can get someone else to...
4: True. True. Um,
0: So, anyway, but it has gone up to 48 hours, and you're concerned that maybe that could be too much for some?
4: No, it's more the other way. Um, It's more that if you – I mean, could you live on 24 hours work a week? That's not very – that's not very much money that you'll be earning to support yourself. So what that means is that people are driven to the cash economy where they are definitely not um, getting their entitlements. Yes. Um, And they also, uh, there is, you know, the government, I think this government is much better than the last one in terms of foregrounding worker rights. Yes.
0: Um,
4: And and they have They have been explicit in saying that your employer can't um, threaten you with cancelling your visa if you're sprung working... Um, with cash under the table, yep, so that's good, but uh yeah, I just think it's just i don't know I don't have the answers, but I just think it's something that you know if we're eating in restaurants we're um enjoying the you know the the labor and also the diversity and the skills that these people bring mm-hmm. um so yeah it's- it's up to all of us to value um value their contribution
0: yeah and then think about that okay and Yeah, how do we – is there anything more – there's not really much more we really can do rather than just sort of think about it, I suppose, is it?
4: Well, I think one thing, and it's sort of a much broader conversation, it goes around um, the the – it goes around costs and pricing, which is something I've been talking a lot about on the podcast recently. Yes. And I suppose, you know, when we think about um, where we spend our money and uh, we think about what we, what value we place on the food that we eat and the labour that is um, inherent in producing it.
0: And the cost of that food, which of course is, is going up with the, yeah. the terrible inflation that's around us. Yeah. So a, rea- it, a terrible reality.
4: Well, it's a reality that, you know, everybody's dealing with. Um, businesses are certainly dealing with in, you know... In terms of all their costs going up as well, and that it's it's only reasonable that they pass those costs on to us as consumers. Um, of course, you know to,
0: it- an, ex- to an extent. There's an argument that could be made that uh, that there has been enormous profits that are being made by some industries that are uh, uh, making money out of our expense. And I talk about the fossil fuel industry for a start.
4: Yeah, true. But
0: anyway, and, that's just a digression. Let's get back to the food. Yeah.
4: But no, I mean it is all connected, mm. um, and you know, transport costs are certainly a big part of the cost of getting food on our um, on our plates. So it's mm. yeah, it's definitely relevant. Cam, you can bring every. I mean, yeah. I I, think-
0: I bring that up. Let me let me just back that up in that I've been looking at the uh, what is it, the ten year um, uh, cost of a barrel of oil. And I see that there doesn't seem to be much justification at the moment with the price of oil, what it is, for up to $2.30 for a litre of petrol. So that's just why I bring that up.
4: Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, well,
0: that's... But the the ones who don't have control and maybe aren't uh, protected and supported by vested interests um are the restaurateurs and um, and there is some justification there is justification in them having to put up prices correct
4: yeah exactly and I think there has been quite a bit of um Discussion among industry about, you know, how it's, it, it's, it's anguishing for hmm. restaurateurs to charge their communities more because they know that, you know, some people are doing it really tough and, you know, an extra 50 cents on their coffee is going to make a real difference. Um, perhaps or, they, they or, won't be able to afford it or not as often. Yeah, so, or,
0: or maybe even it's a deal breaker for some people if it, it gets to a certain, you know, the the rubber band can stretch so far until yeah. finally you go... I can't afford to eat out of this place because I I just can't afford it.
4: But the thing is that, you know, the cost has to be carried somewhere. So if it isn't carried by those consumers, you know, perhaps it's um, carried by lower welfare meats. Perhaps it's carried by... Uh, underpayment Mm. on farms, perhaps it's carried by truck drivers who are, you know, um, Mm. drugging themselves up because they've got to work 16 hours a day. So I think, you know, it's just in every area of society we need to be aware that, uh, you know, we're spending our money, where we spend our money and how we spend our money really does matter.
0: Interesting times we live in, to use that old Chinese proverb,
4: I'm really happy to chat about tomatillos and shishitos but I guess you know what I love about food <laughs> is that it allows you to engage with every single aspect of society.
0: And and the thing is that this this brief as we have found through the years is just so humongous it, in the the all the things that food touches on whether it's politics which we just touched on then tradition yumminess nutrition <laughs> yep. technique you know um <clears throat> It is just a multifaceted thing. What on earth do you do with a tomatillo?
4: Oh well, I wouldn't call myself an expert by any means, but no. um, they're like a—they look like a firm green tomato, but they have this beautiful papery outer skin, and you just peel that skin back. It's um, sort of like
0: a super calyx.
4: Yeah. yeah. You can eat them raw or cooked. So raw, they're really awesome, um, like made into a Mexican-style salsa, so mm. with some green chili and coriander and lime and delicious things like that. Yeah. And you can also love grill or roast juice. them and they sweeten up a lot once um, they're cooked.
0: Tomatillos are just the most glorious thing. I wonder, if they uh, at all related to a Cape Gooseberry?
4: I reckon your next guest is going to know a lot more about that oh, yeah. than me on that.
0: That's a, that's a fair enough handball. <laughs> yeah, you speak, of course, of Clive Blazy, who's uh, the uh, the founder of, of Diggers Club, but um, he actually wants to talk about eucalyptus trees, which will be – I. Can't wait to engage him on that. Now, have you been to any places uh, lately that have um, rocked your world, floated your boat?
4: Yes, yes. I have. So many. Hello. Um, but I'll chat about one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Grana, and it's um, not far from Triple R in Brunswick East um, on Ligon Street. Grana, and it's the wine bar that's attached to Filia, mm-hmm. so the pizza place that was opened, I think, last August by the same crew that owned tipo, um Double O and um, um, Osteria ilaria in the city yeah. what I love about Ooh. grana is that it showcases the cheese of Lucy Whitlow who is a pastry she she was a pastry chef or she still is the pastry chef across the group mm-hmm. um, she is I well, as I to at the <laughs> risk of indulging myself by quoting myself i call her in my review um one of melvin's coolest young culinary creatives um and i think what's so awesome about it is that the um her employers are really investing and nurturing her talent by putting in a special cheese fridge and giving her a little cheese room where she can make cheese on site and i just think it's really lovely when um someone where you can see i mean she's a She's a massive talent. I think it's a really exciting person to watch. But just that her employers are investing in her is really, really cool.
0: Wow. Is she making her own style of Parmesan?
4: Because um, that's
0: when we talk about grana. Is, uh, that's sort of well, usually what Italians are uh, referring to. Usually uh – Not the Reggiano, but the Grana Padana. Sure.
4: Well, um, she's mostly making Tom style cheeses. So they're semi hard and she's using Jersey, Gippsland Jersey milk and also buffalo milk. But because she's a chef, she's um, bringing that sort of um, creativity and sensibility to play, um, largely in the way that she's covering these cheeses in different food substances while they're maturing. So, like orange rinds or burnt onion skins, um, a kind of shallot leather and I'm um, rubbing them with lard and then they mature and so some of these flavours are infused into the cheese. Uh, it's just really cool um, and the, the wine bar is a fun place to just hang and have some oysters. You can get a pizza from next door. Uh, mm. Yeah, there's charcuterie and others' cheese. Mm. It's all good.
0: Just uh, some of the things you can't see in radio because uh, they are unsaid but uh, when you were talking about those interesting things on the tomb, <laughs> Matt and I snuck ourselves A, an interesting look and Matt's going hmm. There you go, there was eyebrows happening at that, <laughs> at that moment. So yeah, that sounds good. Where are they again?
4: They're on Ligon Street um, in East Brunswick.
0: Oh, so they are really so close. So much good
4: stuff on that strip.
0: Uh, I know. If only yeah. we get Matt Stidman to come across the Yarra to eat and try some of these things. This is this is a long-running war of, know, of my inability to cross the Yarra,
1: which may or may not be true. But you know, yeah. you know
4: the, the, the 96 tram is so cool because it goes all the way from St Kilda Beach to right outside Triple R. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, whatever. It's not going to work. <laughs> Don't worry about it. And uh, let's bring the focus back. We've looked at the industry. We've looked at markets. You've talked about Elwood being your favourite. I talked about uh, Carlton coming back. And now, uh, as well as uh, the great place called uh, Grana. And let's go into your kitchen. What have you been doing in there?
4: Uh, well anything exciting? Yeah, I I'm reckon sure. pretty cool. Like um another place I love to shop is Torello Farm on the Mornington Peninsula. Mm-hmm. It's um just a really awesome farm gate store and they grow there's some of the produce is grown by the same the owners including some beef and I got a gorgeous brisket which I actually rubbed in some of those Matt Wilkinson um spice rubs. Which one? Uh, I think the asado one.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, Matt Wilkinson has brought up street barbecue. Yeah, street barbecue. Um, that's right. We, I think we might have all been recipients of those. They are so good. Like they, the the uh, Yeah, is like out on the table all the time now.
4: Yep. So I just slow cooked, rubbed it in that for a day, slow cooked it in the oven all day. House smelled amazing. Mm. Had it with some tacos. Nice. Yeah, it was delish. Just like got it to that fork apart shredded consistency, and it was so it's so yummy that brisket. Um, Because I cooked it for so long and I had it fat side down, Mm. it went into this sort of beef crackling on the bottom.
0: Really, I know, I know, I know what you (laughs) speak of. Guys, there's
4: eyebrows,
0: (laughs) (laughs) muchas eyebrows. All right. Well, on that note, on that big eyebrow note, uh, we should uh, probably go. Anything you're looking forward to doing other than going to the Carlton um, Farmers Markets?
4: Uh, Well, I'm. What am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to autumn. I guess you know, it's not not long before we're all going to be thinking about mushrooms and um, yeah. Pumpkins and beautiful autumn produce. So yes, don't you love those seasons turning?
0: You do indeed. I tell you what, Danny Valen, thank you so much for coming in. It's great to see you.
4: Good to see you too. Thanks, More guys. More
0: strength to your writing, and again, dirty linen five hundred episodes.
4: <laughs> thank you so much.
0: No, what, what, a, what a great thing! How do we find that?
4: Uh, it's on every yeah, any way you listen to podcasts. Yeah. Um, look up dirty linen, and sure. um, yeah, we're really are grateful for any lessons and and reviews. If you like it, would be awesome too.
0: Yeah, hell of an achievement. Lovely to see you, Danny. Thank you so much.
4: Pleasure. You are listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R, exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favorite podcast platform.
0: Um,
1: we are going to go to market, I think, and we we're yeah. just going to upfront just say uh, there's a little bit of background noise. Oh, so.
0: yeah, there's some terrible um, OHNSers um, come to the market with some of the machinery. <laughs> Whenever they start to operate, they, uh, there's like it this makes the racket. 95 decibels, I reckon, <laughs> so uh, I'm sorry.
1: Anyway, Get and John, uh, John decided to start today with this. I'm
2: mm. going to insult you, you know that, don't you?
0: Ladies and gentlemen. A little preamble from John. I give you John at the market. Uh, Shall we just start with the insult? Yeah, why not? All right, come on. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And, uh, okay, my transgression is that uh, I picked up... um, I went and saw Mick down there at the Tip Top Bakery uh, and uh, haven't seen him for a while. And uh, I've got my Irawara sourdough, which I think is probably one of the best mass-produced breads on the market today. And uh, I also got the handmade 12-inch sourdough wood-fired pizza bases which in the past I have got and uh, used with some success and yet it's a point of contention. So uh, John's seen it and he's gone what'd you say? Why'd you buy the
2: one? that's already ready. Said, Why the hell you would you the, do that? You should buy the blind one. And yeah. good morning, everyone. Yes, Hi. I started off on a good note. I, I'm in a good mood, but I'm still giving Cameron a hard time because <laughs> I said to him, "Yeah, these pizza bases are beautiful. They are. I, I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. But when you've got beautiful tomatoes like we've got here yes. and some very, very ripe ones at a very, very good price... It's beautiful to buy the blind pizza base, which means it's got nothing on it. Or alla nuda, like you would say in Italian. Or if we bianco. Bianco, bianco. And um, then then, um, uh, you do what what, uh, Franca does for us. Um, She chops up the beautiful tomatoes, just throws them on top. Mm. Lately she's been getting a little bit exotic, putting capsicums, because I don't like capsicum on my pizza, but They've been very, very ripe and very, very sweet. Yes. So a little bit of fresh salad onion chopped up on top as well. Anchovies? Anchovies, oregano, um, salt and pepper. Very okay. very little salt.
0: Yeah, all right. Well, I'm, I was thinking sort of like doing a margarita. I was going to get one of the better tomatoes that you had and put some... Slices on and uh, uh, and basil and um, oh, I was going to see maybe get some mozzarella, but uh, anyway, uh, that's what goes on top of the pizza. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we also have some show and tell for you today. Yeah, it's, it's strange,
2: isn't it? Because normally you say we're standing in a chopping bay, but we don't have a chopping bay anymore. Now, now we're we're standing around a wire crate, a where, wire where, frame <laughs>
0: basket,
2: where where Joey puts his um, espresso machine on top and and makes his coffee. Yeah. So I bought you a beautiful tray with show and tell, as you said. You did. Um, now this is Grandma's tomato, big time. Look, this tomato weighs 500 grams. Yep. It's a rouge de marmalade or something like that, a rouge de marmon with not so, so many wrinkles. It's got the wrinkles, yes. Yeah. Now, this came out of um, Virginia, South Australia, which is the north side of uh, Adelaide. Murray Bridge is the uh, east side of Adelaide, yeah. just before you get there. Yes. Now, this is a softer skin, much juicier tomato. It's got a little bit of give, but the colour and the oh. texture, it just shines, you know. It does. It says, eat me, eat me. Yeah, and and like I said, it's like grandma would have grown. Uh, they're a little bit of a delicate tomato, as you can see because of the weather. They're they're splitting around where the stem is, mm. but doesn't change the flavour of the tomato. Not at all. Maybe it doesn't look pretty, pretty, but but they're still tomatoes. And, and when you slice them, you can smell them. The aroma hits you. Yeah. And, and uh, they'll be, they'd can be I say?
0: like. Uh... Godzilla slices, because uh, they, uh, if you get a normal loaf of bread, that's yeah, going to cover that. One <laughs> slice is going to cover the whole thing.
2: Yes, I'm, I'm glad you, you've reminded me of the terminology that I should use, because I, I keep saying man-size, and, <laughs> and some of the girls say, listen, we can eat just as good as you boys, mate. Yeah, good. So, <laughs> so yeah. as he said, Godzilla. Yeah, godzilla size slices, and Keep it simple, you know. A lot of people say they're going to put balsamic and all that stuff on it. Yeah, right, it does do it good. But I'd rather keep it simple and let the tomato flavour shine. Like a lot of our vegetables, you know, we we try to buy the best. The flavours shine on their own. You don't need to say this is good. People can see it's good already and Mm. they buy it and they're happy. And don't complicate things sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Some, sometimes it's good to complicate things and mm. get exotic just to change the ambience of things. And the other show and tower are probably the three best grapes on the market this
0: year. I'll let you describe the colour of them. Alrighty. So in the right-hand corner, we've got the Muscadelle. Some people complain about the seeds, but uh, these are little bags of sugar. Uh, not so much as these sultanas that we have here, which are little jewels of, um, of sweetness. Oh, that's piercing, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry about that, folks. In fact, we. Should we. Want stop for a second. Yeah, we might pause for a sec. There's, there we go. That's have another bit that's just to Recycle. We'll hear it again, but we'll uh, we'll try to spare yes, that for go. you. And, um, oh, God, you've come now. What are these ones called
2: again? These are O'Reilly seedless. They're. they're pinky colour more than anything and they're a a larger berry much larger than a sultana very crisp
0: very sweet A very um, obvious sort of bloom over the top there's sort of like a little bit of whiteness that rubs off
2: yeah all all grapes all good grapes have um, a natural coating and people think it's a chemical but it's not it's like everything in nature it protects itself so that bloom is there. If you rub it off, the grapes don't keep as long. It's yep. like the old-fashioned quince. If you yep. rub the fur off, the uh, quince would deteriorate straight away. But if you left the fur on, the fragrance just keeps coming out, and they keep. Mm. And same with the grapes. i have got
0: we're going to start seeing them soon, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to a quince. Hang about. Uh, yeah, so yeah. we were just... Sorry about that, folks. Um, these are sort of a nice, crunchy grape. Uh, in the in the middle it's it's time to eat grapes which is uh, really, really good It definitely is
2: because uh, you get a nice grape, put it in the fridge for about 10 minutes, cool mm. it down uh, and then you've got a beautiful crunch you've got something nice and cool to cool you down yep. and you get that sugar hit which will um, get you a little bit further into your day.
0: Yeah, and keep you going if you uh, if you want to um, What else? Oh, I noticed that uh, figs are starting to pick this uh, really lovely little punnets just down the end there for three fifty. They look pretty good. Yes, yeah, so I've seen some beautiful black figs
2: in the punnets and also some squat white ones. Mm. Uh, not my favourite variety, but still they do the job, you know. When they're ripe, ripe, you can eat them. And um, when they're a little bit greener, people have been grilling them or baking them and um, even making fig tarts and things like that.
0: Oh, wow. Um, yeah, fig and almond work really, really mm. well together. Um, look, it's, uh, it's a noisy day here, down here, So I might
2: say, give us the pick of the market. Pick of the market? Well, we've been talking about the tomatoes. Our local Doncaster tomatoes have just started. They're a little bit hard on the skin because of the weather, but they'll soften up a little bit. Mm. Uh, and all the beautiful heirlooms that we were talking about before. We've got uh, black Russians, we've got mini Romas. we've got cherry truss tomatoes, um, the small cherry tomatoes. People have been buying them, putting them in the kids' lunches and that having beautiful salads at um, night to um, end up a meal with a bang.
0: Um, And probably important to say, just as a public service announcement, that if you're thinking of doing sauce... Uh, it might be a good idea just to wait a little bit uh, longer. Yeah, a couple of weeks. A yeah, couple, couple weeks. Of weeks. Uh,
2: price, price may not come down, but quality and supply we'll, will increase. Yeah. Uh, and to complement the beautiful tomato salad, you brought this dragon cucumber. I love these. It, it looks like, this is about 30 centimetres long, and it looks like the old dill cucumbers, but it's not. Mm. It's very crunchy. It's very sweet. Um, you can eat it like that, like eating a um, cabana stick. Yeah, it's the diameter, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and there's another three or four other varieties of cucumbers we've got there. Um, you were looking at the beautiful string beans. We harp on about those, but they are magic. When you touch them, they're like silk. Yeah. Uh, and everything else is there. You name it, we got it. So come and have a look around. Um as we say always, design your menus in the market. Uh, the boys are loading up another lot of veggies up on their stands, so th- it's a bit noisy.
0: It's a noisy neighborhood yeah, today. Yeah, um, yeah. We're going to go back to the quiet of the studio, I think, <laughs> and uh, and looking forward to having a chat to Clive Blasey from Diggers Club. So, John, thank you. Uh, might see you next week, and yeah. uh, I'll plan it a little bit better. Enjoy the beautiful week. Yeah, here we go, forklifts. All right, I'm going back to the studio. Take care. Bye. You are on the corner of Nicholson and East Brunswick, but more importantly, you have decided to join us for the radio, and I thank you for that. It's uh, wonderful to have you on board. and. Especially when I look across from me in, in the studio, goodness me, we spoke, uh, Oh, it was about six months ago I worked out, Clive, um, August, and it's great to have you back. Welcome back to 3 Triple R. Thank you. Clive Blaze of course, is the founder of the Diggers Club in, uh, well, a few locations, but most notably in the one that I remember the most, of course, is Heronswood at Dramana.
3: You still have a residency? You were living there? Yeah, no. Well, we're the eighth owners. Yeah. um, And uh, we lived there for about 20 years until the kids got to the stage that, um, you know, they wanted to be at the university. Yes. Um, we vacated the house. Well what an uh, empty nest. Well <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> of course because the problem with um, being as dramatic as you're an now from the city yes so everyone at that stage uh, has, has a problem.
0: And they sort uh, of say you realize this is social suicide dad. <laughs> you know uh, can we talk? Yeah.
3: Well we I have to say we, we 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 didn't get on particularly well with our neighbours I'm hoping they're not um really? listening but <laughs> it was a bit like Bosnia uh, close by cuz you know we we had a lot of visitors oh, um, to the buses and, uh, and, the... And, and all of that stuff yeah. um you know it's a pretty important historic house and garden so it's got and it's open to the public and you yeah. know it's all we were rightfully uh, asking people to come and have a look and it's obviously mm. a diggers nursery as well Mm. so um yeah we, we probably had more visitors than um, they were expecting uh, uh, but it's all fairly carefully regulated but uh, I said it was like Bosnia because to to get planning pro- uh, approval you had to go through this incredibly slow long process to make sure all their concerns were uh, met as well as what we needed to do because, you know, maintaining historic gardens and houses is costly.
0: Yeah, these things don't grow on trees, you know. No. Uh, Yeah, it's sort of that whole thing of hurry up and wait. Now, you were speaking, we spoke um, about, uh, it was very, very recently, and I think you said you were about to head off on a bit of an odyssey to see uh, Bruce Pascoe. Uh, Have, Have you done that and come back?
3: Yes. No. Well, we're we're doing a um, uh, a very controversial subject because we've been on about um, the flammability of eucalypts for about twenty five years, I think. Um, when I go back through the um, articles, that uh, and of course it's an incredibly controversial subject because eucalypts are the mm. most favourite tree of just about everyone here. R-
0: River Red, I think was picked as the, the yeah camel- the most-
3: eucalyptus camaldulensis. Yeah. Oh, good, you go. But then you've been to uh, our thatch roof uh, building that went up in a eucalyptic fire. Uh-huh. So you can see, that you the know, from op- first hand. The uh- apocalyptic eucalyptic, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yes, we lost lost our restaurant and our office as a consequence of a yeah. fire. Yes. Um, so we had uh, personal disaster as a consequence of that.
0: And, and may I just paraphrase t- for you in the fact that, you know, the eucalypt's uh, not-so-nasty uh, secret is that here is a tree full of explosive oils and and, dare I say... Um, we do have an arms industry here in uh, in Australia, where we export deadly things, where governments can use deadly force. But I would actually say that the most deadly thing that we export to the rest of the world
3: is the. My God, you said it, <laughs> not me. Oh, okay. Well, the word that starts with E. Yeah, <laughs> well, the eucalyptus tree. Um,
0: uh, case in point. Um, and this is through discussions mm-hmm. with Yost Bakker and the fact that when we talk about deforestation in the, uh, the Amazon mm-hmm. Basin, uh, the first people will come through and they'll take away the rainforest, then you put in a couple cash crops, and then you deplete the soils after two cash mm-hmm. crops because it's only about six inches, and then the third thing is you graze the hell out of it with some cattle, and then the only thing that will grow is...
3: The gum tree. The eucalypt.
0: And And so now what we're doing is we're putting gum trees in the middle of the
3: Amazon basin. Well, uh, getting back uh, closer to home. Let's. um, (laughs) uh, You know, eucalypts account for uh, 80% of our forests. Mm. So they're the most dominant tree species in any country, I would think. Um, and, and that's difficult. I've been um, studying all the area, the trees that come from the rainforest, you know, yeah. like uh, Morton Bay figs, oh, yeah. um, ficus yeah. hillii. There's 10 or 15 of them. Mm. And we were talking uh, uh, a few days ago about uh, going to the Fitzroy Gardens, mm. just out of the city, and in that garden there you've got um, maybe 10 eucalypts and you've got um, fantastic elm. Uh, walkways but it's got an amazing list of rainforest trees Mm. and when I go around there on a hot day they're 10 degrees cooler than the eucalypt and um, they're uh, fantastic shade trees but unfortunately the eucalypt is so dominant that when it grows close to a rainforest uh, uh, area mm-hmm. along the east coast. It's a very narrow band. It's only about 1% of our total country. Yes. Um, the flammability of the eucalypt is um, threatening the rainforest trees and they, they make beautiful garden specimens. So mm. that's why I'm up in arms about it because um, we want to get people... Um, growing trees that give you good shade and are beautiful, um, and uh, eucalypts are okay as long as they're not, as long as they're tiny. You know, you, yeah. you, you you don't you don't want a haystack next to your house that'll go up as quickly. You want something that's really not a threat. Or or a or a, uh, or a tower full of kerosene. A tower full of kerosene, it, which that's is a, yeah. is you know
0: kind of the similar thing. And and just so you know, folks, before um, you might put uh, fingers to keyboards, uh, we, I, you, um, you tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth. We're not advocating the change of the native uh, fauna that's no, out no, there no. because we cannot. It is what it is. And uh, it is revered and it is a sacred tree. What a, but let me continue that. The idea is to protect our homes, the areas around our place, because as the plan gets warmer, uh, an environment will get warmer as uh, La Niña comes back, El Niño, sorry, comes back, we are going to see more bushfires and we need to pr- uh, protect the uh, the properties that we have and, and the perimeters that we have and perhaps having a whole bunch of eucalypts is not going to achieve that.
3: Well, the Royal Commission has recommended that people don't plant eucalypts within 100 metres of a oh, house really? and preferably 200 okay. metres. Yeah. Now, that covers just about every garden. So yeah. what, what they're saying is they're dangerous. I'm saying they're not worthy of a garden. Because uh, of their flammability, but also um, they're usually sparse foliage, so they yeah. they don't actually cool your your garden at all. They don't really have much of a canopy to to cool. No, um, I mean there's enormous variation. There's 800 different ones, so it's really yes. hard to be talking about this as if it were True. one species. Yep. And of course, when we all go overseas, the most nostalgic thing that brings the scent of home is eucalyptus oil. So we've got this incredible I'm important passion connection to our most important tree, Mm. so what we're really wanting to do, and so the subject was Bruce Pascoe, who's done as a First Nations person, he's got this hugely important uh, book. What's Uh, his view on it all? Um, well, we're having this discussion What's with him. What's your two views on it all? Um, well, he, he when I went up to see Bruce Pascoe to drive for three hours round from Lake's entrance through to the coast, and all the forest for three hours had been burnt to a cinder, so yeah. there was hardly a living eucalypt left or sprouting. When yes. I got to Bruce's place... He's got eucalypts that haven't been affected by fire. So he's been managing them the way the traditional Aboriginal approach, which is to not have too many of them and to cull them Mm. so that um, they're well spaced and uh, they're they're, uh, making sure that they're managed properly. So when you see his property, having just gone through three hours of uh, damage and destruction, Mm. it's fantastic. So those original pictures of of, uh, Aboriginals or First Nations people hunting kangaroos, Mm. you're really seeing spaced out uh, uh, eucalypts. So you're not doing it through a forest, which is obviously incredibly dangerous.
0: No, they used to be, they were
3: curated gardens, were they yeah, not? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So we're getting him to um, uh, talk about that, um, and we're doing this at uh, Mifka's. Um, and, and the subject that we're talking about is eucalypt friend and foe. Mm. So we're looking at the good and the bad parts of eucalypts. And I suppose I'm sticking my neck out really talking about it from a gardener's perspective. Are they the best trees for your garden? And as we mentioned recently, there's a hell of a lot of good natives that are evergreen and not flammable, will mm. give you a fantastic shade. Some of them are beautiful to look at. Mm. And then, of course, as I uh come into the studio here there's a lot of these uh, ficus hiliari which are a bit like they grow like a morton bay fig but they're okay, yeah. pr- pruned lush green not like a morton bay fig but they're pruned yes. they're probably the most used street tree in melbourne so everyone's seen them but they may not have bought them for their gardens but mm. they they can be hedged or, as I would use them, uh, I don't like Morton Bay figs because of the brown foliage and the dead leaves they leave, particularly yes. at our restaurant when everyone comes in January. The hills fig is, grows in, can be as big a tree as that mm. or you can hedge it to three metres. So it's that lush green uh, foliage that you get from... Um, a, a, a good street tree or a good garden tree, actually. So
0: I... People want things now. I mean, we want sort of the instant gratification. And One of the things that is a bit of a problem with a tree is uh, they take a while to get to a size where you can have an effect, a canopy effect, which yes. affects temperature. Are there, um, are, is there such a thing that grows uh, relatively quickly so that... Um, we, in our brief lifetimes that we have, can get some benefit from them and see it happen and go, oh, wow, it's cooler.
3: Well, it's much worse than me. I'm way older than you, thank you. That's yeah. why I'm in more of a hurry, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, actually, I'm uh, we're planning an arboretum. Um, my father left me arboretum some Arboretum sounds uh, like a Mexican restaurant. Uh, well... <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're thinking about food, but <laughs> well, uh, we do here. We, we bring an, yeah, sorry, an arboretum. So, an arboretum is yep. is uh, a collection of of uh, rare trees. Ours is on the Goulburn River, and oh, uh, yeah. and um, so we're growing um, giant sequoias and uh, a whole lot of. I have to say that the most dominant tree at the moment is the river red gum. Mm. Um, so, we're not chopping any of those down, but no. we're using swamp cypress and a whole lot of. Native trees like bunyas and cowrie pines, as well. Okay,
0: Um, if you are a member of Diggers Club, there's um, an article that has appeared in the newsletter recently. Has that been
3: published? Uh, yes, yes. yes. Uh, um, and that's online for those people yes. who want it, or, or obviously we send out the printed version to our current membership.
0: Mm, and um, and uh, I would say to you that it's uh, it's a good thing to join Diggers because uh, you are part of a vast seed-collecting network of um, what we call in the industry LMIs. <laughs> Like-minded individuals,
3: of course, yes, yes, and organics is a big feature of uh, of what we do, as as well as planting seeds for vegetables and trees. Yes, Uh,
0: Clive, uh, I think it's an interesting thing to bring up as a discussion because we really need to uh, re-evaluate. Uh, the the fauna that's around us, and yep. if the fauna is threatening us, um, our properties, our livestock, and our lives themselves, uh, we should probably start thinking about alternatives. And as you said, it was uh, part of the Royal Commission hmm. that uh, what was it, hundred metres,
3: uh, hundred metres from a house? Yes, yeah, yeah right. Well, yeah. you know, they have now their colours to the yep. mast. Yes. Well, we've lost our restaurant, as you know, so we know exactly the fire intensity or the heat intensity that we can get from it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Clive, always a pleasure to see you. Thank Thank you you so much for coming in. Matt, what a pleasure it was to see you. Likewise, Cameron. And uh, keep me on the straight and narrow. Yes. You have... <laughs> well, I appreciate we try. That, it's an impossible
1: yeah. task. Some weeks. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, we got to do that. Uh, yeah. incidentally, I'll, I'll mention it again. Um, Instagram. Uh, Cam Smith. Uh That. Uh, yeah. Mono. Excellent. Good fun. Danny Valant. Thank you for coming in. John. Of course. Mm. I'm sorry about the noise. See you. <laughs>